So we'll just let ourselves um, just come back to the body, to an attention on this experience. And just enjoy seeing our friends pop in. And, and just please also, also know that this is a practice of, of coming as you are. Come here exactly as you are. And, and right from the start, no expectation that you be in a particular state, that you be concentrated or full of energy or, God forbid, happy. Just let yourself be just like this. And begin to notice that you can bring an attention to yourself even with eyes open. So um, early, a little while ago, um, I received uh, an email from a friend of mine who is a Sufi master, who was absolutely being very frank about his, his worry about the world and his sense that we're in a time of great transition. His name is Llewellyn Bontley, and by the way, and he has an extraordinary piece in the new parabola, the fire issue. But in his personal message to me, he was um, expanding a bit on what he wrote about how we're living in a time of great transition. Um, as a people, as a civilization, as a globe, a bardo, a time between two stories, an old story of progress and um, a kind of linear growth and something that has yet to be born. So, um, I share this with you because I think it's true. I think it's true that this is a time 
time when we all feel great uncertainty, great uh, pain and anguish, even if it's unconscious. And some of us, um, and if you're just popping in, I'm just warming up. You haven't missed anything at all. Um, I was just lamenting the death of civilization. <laughs> just a little light beginning that um, a Sufi master I was talking about how this is a time of transition. And, and you know that's true. People in, in this room, in our community, that live in the Pacific Northwest and California, and, uh, that it's an unprecedented time for heat and drought and fire. And uh, so there's a kind of collective unease. And then on top of that, on top of that, the fact that each of us individually is subject to suffering, to sickness, to aging, and to death inescapably, inescapably. And so please don't turn off, please don't leave. I know it's like she's a barrel laughs tonight. She's really fun. But but I do have a point that's useful. That as painful as these times are, and as truly painful as we can experience life under these constraints. We can really have moments of thinking, is this it? Is, is this it? And, and your dreams for your life can seem so. I saw a cartoon in The New Yorker. It, you know, I rely on that. Where this poor pigeon, it was Ross Chaz, and this poor pigeon on a dirty sidewalk in New York, it said a pigeon's dream, and it had this thought bubble. So it's 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 sitting, standing on the sidewalk in the midst of all these rappers, and and people in the dream are saying, "Is that a pigeon? No way! I think it's really called." A, a rock dove. Wait, let me take a picture. And you know, this, this wonderful fantasy of being beheld as a special creature. And we can feel like that on any given day. And then reality shows us we're just a pigeon, a pigeon. But so uh, all of this kind of gloomy, faltering lead in. I read a story uh, the last couple of days called Sunny's Blues by James Baldwin, the great African American writer. And it felt me, it moved me so much because I felt that it described exactly, exactly what we do here. And in the story, Sonny is struggling 
I'm not going to recap the whole thing, but his life is inexpressibly painful, African-American in Harlem, and he doesn't know how to escape suffering except through music and heroin. Heroin made his life a living hell. And by the end of the story, his brother, who has been estranged for him for years while he lived this hell, trying to escape his suffering, his brother and he are reconciling. And he, he's saying, come and hear me play. Come and hear me play. And he plays piano in a little club in the West Village. So his older brother, thinking that they'll be estranged forever if he doesn't go, goes and sees something transporting. Sonny has told him, I'm okay now. I'm going to be okay. And he witnesses just how that can be. And I'm not going to read from the story, but I, he's on a little stage with other people playing bass and drums. And there are beautiful descriptions of what it feels like to be a musician, what it feels like to make the piano or the bass or these instruments do something. That, that you feel. And, and, and more than that, more than that, they're playing the blues. Now, there's a book in the Bible called the Book of Lamentations of the pain of life. That is the blues the blues. So Sonny, so the the narrator, the brother is observing that the players are kind of halting, like we are in our practice. You'll start, it can feel false or artificial. You start again. It can feel false and artificial. You start again. But at a certain point, Sonny begins to express in his way, a story that James Baldwin is saying is endlessly told. It's a story of suffering and moments of delight and triumph over suffering. And he makes a point, there is no other story. There is no other story. And I'm not pretending I could ever know how it feels to be African-American in Harlem, that feeling of constraint and anguish and rage, but I do know how it feels to be human. And it's a story of suffering and triumphs over suffering. So in the short story, it suddenly dawned on me, we're playing when we practice. Sonny is playing and he's expressing. He's 
witnessing his story. And he does it so sincerely. And it was after a lifetime of effort that he could play like this. He does it so sincerely that to hear, when we hear, when we sense, when we're present, just for a moment, it conveys something. It's an embodiment of truth, an embodiment, a witness of truth. And it touches others. And so as they played, as we practice, as we practice, and we have moments when we're fully present, just a moment to what? To suffering, to grief, to impermanence, to the pain of life. It gives other people permission to feel their pain and grief. And also, Baldwin said, as that happened, they discovered that there's a freedom lurking around, all around. And when you fully accept, just, just fully accept suffering, just for a moment, freedom appears. Delight appears, this feeling of being part of a, a greater life. And at the end of this set, he said, life is still waiting. It's crouching outside like a hungry tiger. It's, but there was that moment or that song or that just a phrase of feeling completely released because you're feeling completely with your life, completely with it, completely with it, just as it is. And so I, I wanted to read a very short poem um, by Derek Walcott. It's called Love After Love. And this is what we're here to do. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror, and each will smile at each other a welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself. Do the stranger who is loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take 
down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes, peel your image from the mirror, sit and feast on your life. We're here to see every single moment that comes up, moments of pain or embarrassment or rage or whatever it is, and to meet it with a loving attention that doesn't judge, that accepts with curiosity and kindness. So let's take our seats. And notice how it feels to bring an accepting attention to what you find today. And let the emphasis be on the attention. The attention that sees, that senses. And let everything happen to you, thinking, sensing, feeling, sounds, everything. Just noticing. And when you get taken by thinking, and you will, notice that this is completely natural and gently bring the attention back to the sensation of sitting here now. And notice that this movement of return, of coming home to sensation to the body, also opens us. Opens us to presence, to an attention that sees, 
Just let yourself rest in stillness, in presence. Just sink into sensation. Give up all effort to be better or different than this. Notice how it feels to let everything, every thought or angry impulse or, or sharp edge be completely acceptable. Met with an attention that's kind and curious.
when we find ourselves thinking, we come down into the body, into sensation. Notice that there's a presence in you and around you, an attention that sees. That's vibrant and alive. Notice how it feels to give yourself to stillness, to presence. To just rest in it. Let yourself not know. Just sense. Just let go.
and see that sorrow and pain can be met by an attention that's kind, that's curious and warm. Noticing how it feels to come back and be held in compassion. Everything acceptable. Just let everything pass through, let it happen. And notice that you can meet that too with an attention that's kind. 
that's open. Notice that no matter what happens, we can come home to a presence that sees with kindness, with interest, with total acceptance. And for the last few minutes of our practice, we'll say metta. Picturing yourself in the center of your circle. And looking at yourself with soft eyes, kind eyes. Offer yourself the wishes, may I be safe and protected from all danger inside and outside. May I be as well as I can be, surrounded by love and compassion. May I be free. And we let that feeling, that loving kindness radiate out others, and you can include the other
others here and also especially if you know someone who's suffering or facing a great challenge or in the parto, in transition. And including yourself. also to them. May you be safe. May you be safe and protected from all danger inside and outside. May you be surrounded and supported by love and compassion. May you be free. Hey, we all thinking and picturing yourself again with, you can pick yourself as a baby if you wish, picturing yourself with, with love. Cute little thing that you were and are in essence. May you be safe and protected from all danger inside and outside. May you be held and supported by love and compassion. May you be entirely free. Thank you. Thank you so much for your practice. And if you have a question or an observation about practice, um, please feel free to share. It's wonderful to hear other voices for all of us. And don't wait and raise your hand. Just please feel free to speak when it's quiet.
Hi. Hi. Um, it was amazing that you read that poem today because it came into my mind a couple of nights ago. And I, <laughs> I feel like I have to qualify what I'm about to say by saying it might sound kind of stoner, <laughs> but I, I guess, I don't know. That's what this sharing is about. It's like, is this a thing? Okay, so is this a thing? You know, we all have the voice in our head and I'm going through a number of sorrowful and stressful things all at once. And so the voice gets more activated and chatty. And I was having this thought, so like there's the voice in your head that we all know about and, and oftentimes it's critical. And then hopefully you cultivate a voice in your head that's less critical and more friendly. But I was, <laughs> I was sort of finding, finding that these voices were just, oh my God, there was just so much like criticize and then defend and criticize and defend. And, and then there's this idea of the loving awareness, which is not a voice and is not a series of arguments and defenses because it's beyond all that. And that, and that poem, which I know and love, the Derek Walcott poem came into my head and I sort of thought I understood it in a different way because while I feel it's very rare that I get to that true feeling of loving awareness, I was like, oh, that's it. It's not, it's not even the defensive friendly voice that says, for heaven's sakes, she's doing the best she can, let her be. <laughs> it's the voice that, or rather it's not a voice. It's just beyond judgment or value or any of that, right? Yes. I mean, that's beautiful because I think we can all relate to it. And, and in my experience, um, and it's happened not infrequently, um, I can feel like I'm just handling things very well, like a ninja, like so many stressful things. And I look at me handling them. And then there'll be that one extra thing and sometimes something huge and unexpected. And, and I'm aware then of my thinking becoming almost like a repetitive little toddler. Those of us who've had toddlers, have you have that experience of them asking, asking, asking the same thing, you know, seeking reassurance or saying the same thing over and over. I'll be, in other words, I've become aware of the thinking suddenly in a new way of its limitations, that it seeks the known and it likes to have things filed and known. And when things are too unknown or the demands are too great, you just see this frantic toddler and that's the mind. And in that moment, as uncomfortable as it is, then you see how quickly the defenses kick in and you feel them. That they're not just in the thinking, they're in the body. And you become, in a moment, 
you can shift from feeling like you're open and aware and you're mindful, you've got you've got this figured out. And all of a sudden you're an embattled little fortress, literally, like this dark little place in a dark world. And you feel it and the thinking. So everything, you're seeing what's happening inside you and it's not too promising. And it, I can't get through this toddler in my head and these tensions. And, and in that moment, something can happen that feels exactly like garden variety giving up. You just give up. I give up. All striving. And in that moment, Man, and it can feel like that radical, like I'm not going to fight anymore. And that something appears like you begin to suggest uh, or that you glimpse that this attention that sees this impulse of loving kindness isn't about thinking that there's something that receives us, that sees us. And the next moment, please know this, everybody, the very next moment, the head will take it or the ego will take it. Aha, I've mastered it. And that too is completely natural. That, but for a moment, you felt what it's like to just let go and be mad. And it, again, I can't stress how fleeting. That's why I was so thrilled by the James Baldwin story, even if I made a hash of it, because it, it suggests that freedom happens for a moment. In that moment of letting go, and you can think of it in terms of music, if you know music, of someone like not fighting with the instrument or having an idea, but just letting yourself be played. And, and it's like that. It's like just sing. Even in the Baldwin story, they kept talking about how uh, the player had to go from the shallows to the depths. Just let go and sink into the deep water and trust that you'll be held. You won't drown. You know, Tracy, when I when I hear this, what, what I'm discovering about all of this is that there's a part of me that that just seems to refuse to accept things the way they are. And so as a result of that, so much of what I'm thinking about is trying to change the present situation. Try, and so the question I have is, is that, I, that I'm trying to remind myself is, well, what's wrong with right now if I don't think about it? Um, so the question I have about that is, it's, it's, it's kind of a rhetorical answer, but, but I'd love to just share it with the group and see 
what, what you might think about it too, is what would it be like to go through life with not initiating anything, but just accepting things as they are and people as they are. I mean, I was at a coffee shop the other day and um, with, with my wife and there was somebody there that kind of irritated me because she took up two spaces and my wife was having trouble with her leg and she refused to budge. So immediately I had this contempt for her. <laughs> and, and then we started talking to her and she just was the most kindest, amazing, not amazing, but just, just accepting her for what she was. But there was this knee jerk reaction of annoyance. And I guess we just have to become amused by those things. But what about this just not initiating? What, what would you say about that? I think it's a noble intention for you to have and lots of luck. And right. I'm not, you know, I'm not really, I'm not making fun of it, but again and again, this is a practice of seeing how we are. And it's funny how quickly, how quickly you could go on a month long retreat. You could go on a two week retreat, month, three months. And the minute you get back, it wouldn't even take the time it takes to unlock your door when somebody could annoy you and set you off. I've been there. And this is, we, for the longest time, we think that our practice is about like perfecting ourselves, smoothing things out. And, and right, we want to be free from suffering. And that's why we're doing this. And that's why people try everything and take drugs. And, you know, like in the, in the Baldwin story. And it's, of course, we want to be free from suffering. Of course we do. But we find our freedom in moments when we stop striving. And we meet what's happening with this attention so that it becomes, oh, this is really interesting. Look at how quickly I got triggered. Or look at how much rage and contempt I feel for this nice lady. And not thinking about it with an aim to fix it, but just seeing it. Seeing it. And that, that sounds like something clinical and, you know, detach, like you're detaching yourself from your life. But, but you begin to discover that this seeing is also who you are. It's also you. You are not just your conditioning, your mechanical reactivity, your defenses your tensions, and your deepest fears. You're not just what happened to you. Even if what happened to you was terrible, you are also the attention that sees, that meets it with compassion and acceptance.
we're here not to perfect ourselves, but to expand our understanding of who we are. who we really are. Shifting our faith from the anxious toddler and that tense body so subject to pain and, and illness to something else, to a consciousness and awareness that sees. Tracy, I really appreciated your insight about Sonny's Blues, and it's a story that I love, but I have a question um, for practice, that in the story, at least my understanding, the brother is narrating Sonny's life, and then in the club, he's still not really seeing Sonny, and then suddenly he experiences Sonny, and I know that for myself, probably because of my profession, I'm always um, trying to make knowable the unknowable person, right? So there's a certain aspect of a person that we never will fully know. And so there's this classification and cate categorization of the person. It, it makes me also think of Isabel Wilkerson's cast where you're like, you're categorizing based on the narrative that you have to understand the unknowable. So how in practice, do we create that expansiveness for those we love who are trying to know, but are always beyond knowing? They are unknowable to us. So how do we extend that practice from ourselves and our own consciousness to loving others well? I, in my experience, it has to do with um, bringing it home to myself. And this practice of seeing with acceptance and with and just which means seeing the attention, seeing our tendency always. It's almost incessant our tendency to judge, to think, to strive, to change. This isn't acceptable. I must fix this. I must change that. I'm talking about it myself. And to just do this daring little thing of just completely allowing that to be there. So I'm not for once seeking to escape my story. I'm not a pigeon trying to be a rock dove. That will come back in the next second, this yearning and this disappointment and all the stuff we do and we're, we will do. But just for a moment, 
I'm being with my blues. I'm being with my blues. And it's, it warms it. And when you're with someone who is accepting themselves, if just for a moment, you know how that feels. It feels like somebody you want to draw close to. It's like sunny on the stage or like a campfire. And it's not because they're saying anything smart or solving things. It's because you sense that there's something about them, about their presence that is giving you permission to be yourself, to be free. So again and again, come back, come back to yourself. And, and notice that in those moments when you're closer to yourself, all there, and it's incredibly presumptuous for me to talk about music because I don't know anything about it. But, but to just let yourself be fully present. And that notice, sometimes you can listen, listen better, more deeply, and see more. And that something can come alive. And like, that's the way I see it. Notice how often we're jumping out of ourselves to fix something out there. And that tastes like the Derek Walcott poem of, I mean, the, it's astonishing in this practice, and I hope you all feel it or have felt it. One moment sometimes of looking at yourself in the mirror or touching your own skin and feeling the simplest moment of affection and appreciation. I'm not so bad. It's not like a big celebration of oh, I'm so glorious. It's this it's just the opposite, this relaxed, kind of easeful affection, loving kindness towards yourself for your good intentions, for your good heart. Basically good. We've all got lots of interesting stuff going on. But under all that pain and fear and confusion, there's a deeper heart that feels beauty and goodness and justice. It just feels it. And we're here to touch that sometimes. To, and give ourselves a break. 
it's a, a wonderful note to end with. What would it be like? I'm asking us now as a practice if you could feel completely acceptable, completely. Just for a moment, just like this with everything. And we're going to take that, that into meta right now. So just be easy. Take an easy, comfortable seat. And maybe you've got all kinds of stuff going on. And grave worries and sorrows. Maybe you've got real grief and pain, and on top of it, our collective uncertainty and grief about our world. And, and that's okay. Completely acceptable. Completely. Now, again, picture yourself like a cute little kid, that adorable little kid you were. Close your eyes. And don't stress about it. Just know there's a cute little kid in there. Responsive, loving, alive. And you wish them, may you be safe, completely safe inside and outside. May you be surrounded with wisdom and compassion and love. May you know you are completely acceptable and lovable. And may you be free to thrive. And then still seated in the center of our circle, the circle of our attention, we let our wishes, our loving kindness, shine out to other beings, including the beings in our space in this community and beyond to all who suffer who are in the darkness, who are uncertain, who have pain in this world or others. And we use we, may we all be safe and protected from inner and outer harm and danger. May we be supported by love and 
compassion. And may we be completely, all of us, all beings, completely free. Thank you. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for your wonderful hearts and minds. And take good care of yourselves. And please come back again next Wednesday, next set, set, Sunday. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. Bye -bye. Thank you everyone. Thank you.